worse. Well, welcome to Pentecost Sunday. 1,969 years ago, on the Gregorian calendar, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where the disciples and those that loved the Lord were sitting and waiting. I think they must have, after 10 days, they would go home and eat and come back to pray and back and forth perhaps. But anyway, we do know when the Holy Ghost fell, there were 120 in the upper room. Among them was Mary, the mother of Jesus. She birthed him and he birthed her. Amen. Hallelujah. What a glorious and marvelous truth we have in his word concerning such. I am thankful for the opportunity to be here. You've got great leadership and things are just right on time. So, it was one of the busiest days of the year in the city of Jerusalem. The summer feast of Pentecost was being celebrated. People were coming from all over the region to be in Jerusalem at the temple for the celebration of the feast of Pentecost. Now, as you know, there are seven feasts of Jehovah listed in the Bible. Three in the spring, one in the summer, three in the fall. The three in the spring have already been fulfilled. You see, Christ was crucified on Passover. And he gave up the ghost at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, when it, which was exactly the hour when the lambs were to be slain all over the land for the feast of Passover. So Jesus is our Passover. He was in the grave during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then he resurrected on the, fe the Feast of First Fruits. And now comes the day of Pentecost. I often wondered, you know, they had been with him for th three years and longer. They had been ministered to by him and taught. Why did they have to wait 10 days? They had to wait for the day of Pentecost to be fully come. The Holy Ghost fell on the exact day that Moses, through Jehovah, gave us the teachings concerning the day of Pentecost. Now, we've got three fall feasts yet to come. The next one is Rosh Hashanah. That's the Feast of Trumpets. Now, if the Lord honors that feast as he has honored the three previous feasts that I mentioned and the fourth feast, which is Pentecost, it stands to reason that he will honor Rosh Hashanah, which is the Feast of Trumpets, which is a very, very good time for the rapture of the church of the living God. Now, he could come today. He could come tomorrow. He could come any time. It's, it's not ours to dictate or not ours to understand. But we, I do believe that the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, is a very good time for the Master to show up. So we're looking forward to Jesus coming. Amen. Hallelujah. And when we look into the word of the Lord, we find it was 9 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. The streets of Jerusalem 
were filled with the celebration of Pentecost. Thousands, thousands had gathered from all over the region. In fact, there were some 17 different languages represented on that first Pentecost Sunday. And there arose an unexpected commotion. And that commotion caused thousands of people together, together to see what all of the furor and all of the commotion was about. And when they got there, they noticed that the people were acting drunk. They were in the streets. They were speaking in foreign languages and speaking in tongues. And when they noticed this, they were deeply concerned. There were those that made a mockery. These men are drunk. There were those that showed a sincere question, and they said, what meaneth this? Questions. I'm going to deal with some Pentecostal questions this morning, but my title is basically Pentecost Today. A Harvard University study a few years back determined that 500 million people on planet Earth had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. 500 million. And I'm so glad I'm one of them. Amen. And the study was, why are denominational churches shrinking while Pentecostal churches around the world are thriving? There's great Pentecost revival in many areas of our world. I want God to wake America up and give us a Pentecostal revival. Praise God. And so, we deal with the Word of the Lord. The Word of the Lord, the scholars tell us, and I didn't, I didn't figure this all out myself, because I didn't want to take the time to count. But there are 3,294 questions in the Bible. Now that might be off a question or two, I don't know. But that's what we are told by the scholars that make such studies. The first question in the Bible, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said. And he began a doubt in her mind that led to the fall of man. The fall of man continued until the cross of Calvary. Satan was in control all the way up until resurrection day. Satan was the god of this world, prince and power of the air, and to a great degree he still is. But now there is a kingdom on earth called the kingdom of the church, the kingdom of God. And I'm thankful we are a part of that. The last question in the Bible, the last question in the Bible deals with Babylon, not the city of Babylon over in the Middle East, but Babylon, whatever the definition of that great city is, the question is raised, what city is like unto this great city? Speaking of Babylon and the destruction of it. There are many scholars today that are pointing at America as the Babylon of the last days. I hope and pray that's not true because here's what the Bible says about Babylon. In one hour, so great riches has come to naught. Every shipmaster all the company and ships and sailors, as many as trade by sea, stood afar off. 
and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And so that's the last question in the Bible. There are other questions and there are other important scriptures. I found a, a book the other day that said the 100 most important questions in the Bible. And I, or, or scriptures, I'm sorry, the 100 most important scriptures in the Bible. And I began to read, and there was John 3.16, and there was this and that and, and all. And I didn't find anything that really appealed to me. So I thought to myself, what are the greatest scriptures in the Bible? I determined that in the Old Testament, the greatest scripture is... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I don't take away from the other verses in the Old Testament, but to me that is the most important of all. And the most important in the New Testament is Acts 2.39. The promise is unto you to your children, to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hallelujah. If it were not for Deuteronomy 6.4, we wouldn't know that, what we do know about deity and the Godhead. If it were not for Acts 2.39, we wouldn't know what Acts 2.38 was all about. Because Acts 2.38 presents the gospel message of the New Testament. But Acts 2.39 extends it from Jerusalem to Lonoke. Amen. It did not end in Jerusalem, but the Bible said it began in Jerusalem. Spreading to the uttermost parts of the earth. I'm so thankful it's here this morning because somebody can be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm so glad He is moving among us this morning because all of us can have an opportunity for refilling and refreshing. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so, they ask the question, what meaneth this? And the apostle Peter said, this is that, which was spoken by the prophet Joah, in the last days, and we're still there. The last days might have begun some 1900 years ago, but we're still in the last days. In fact, we are in the last of the last days. In the last days, saith, saith God, He will pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy, and the blessings of Holy Ghost victory will be a part of mankind's experience. Hallelujah. And Joel said it, and it took hundreds of years to be fulfilled. It began its fulfillment on the day of Pentecost, but it's still being fulfilled today. Joel's prophecy is alive and well, and it's being fulfilled even today. Hallelujah. And so when we consider the uh, fact of Pentecost and the evidence of Pentecost, what was the evidence They heard them speak with tongues. That was the evidence. Joy is not the evidence. Weeping is not the evidence. Healing is not the evidence. But the evidence is speaking with other tongues. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I've seen a lot of people receive the Holy Ghost in my ministry and in my lifetime, not necessarily under my ministry, but in my ministry. I've seen a lot of people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I've not seen one receive the Holy Ghost crying and begging, but they all receive the Holy Ghost when they are yielding and worshiping and praising God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. That is when the Holy Ghost comes. Hallelujah. It came to me in Indianapolis, Indiana. Don't know what city or where it came to you. It came to my wife in Orange, Texas, I believe. Is that correct? Right, okay. But anyway, it's what the evidence. Four instances in the book of Acts where people were baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. Jerusalem, Samaria, Cornelius at Caesarea, and the disciples of Ephesus. Three of the four occasions speak about tongues. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues. Now Samaria doesn't say they spoke with tongues, but it certainly doesn't say they didn't. And there are scholars that are anti-Pentecostal that would argue that since tongues were not mentioned in Acts chapter 8, then tongues are not essential as an evidence to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But guess what? Acts chapter 8, Samaria doesn't even say their heart was beating. It doesn't even say they were breathing air. But it does say they saw and heard the miracles of God. Hallelujah. So I'm convinced beyond any equivocation or doubt that tongues was an evidence in the city of Samaria and they expected it, and it doesn't have to list it specifically in the Scripture. you got 75% of the Scriptures, and then you've got the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus. When he was converted, he was baptized in Jesus' name, and he said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. <laughs> Hallelujah. So that is and has been and will be the evidence until Jesus comes and takes his church out of this world. Praise God. That is the important issue at hand. And when they ask, what meaneth this? Well, let me ask this morning, what does it mean? It means that God loves the human family enough to die on Calvary and to pour out the experience of the Holy Ghost on Pentecost. What meaneth this? It means God has a special plan for the salvation of man. Hallelujah. What meaneth this? It means that the day of Pentecost has fully come and still is. Hallelujah. I like the way Brother Tom Fred Tenney used to put it. Pentecost didn't come and go, but Pentecost came and stayed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What does, what does this mean? It means that the church has now been born. Law has been replaced 
by grace. Thank God. Under the law, in the Old Testament, when the law was given by Moses, 3,000 people were executed for being idolatrous. In the New Testament, when the Holy Ghost fell, 3,000 people were filled with the grace of God and the mercy of God and the power of God's truth and God's power. What, does, what meaneth this? It means that Satan is about to have a cardiac. <laughs> Hallelujah. What does this mean? It means the church has begun and still thrives. It means if they got it, we can have it. Hallelujah. It, was, it began in Jerusalem, but it has not ended even to this very day. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, Pentecost, in the eyes of those who sincerely believed on that marvelous day, it, the question was raised, what meaneth this? Pentecost, in the eyes of the critics and skeptics, was these are drunk with new wine. Pentecost, in the eyes of the angels, one sinner comes to repentance, all of heaven goes into rejoicing. In the eyes of the angels, heaven was rejoicing. The miracle of the resurrection had been fulfilled in the birth of the church, and the lost have now been saved. I like this one. In the eyes of the spiritually convicted and hungry, they ask the question, men and brethren, what must we do? Hallelujah. And that's when the Apostle Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I don't know, folks. I think we all realize the fact that we are a very blessed people. Because we have a truth that is so marvelous, so powerful and majestic, that the world cannot comprehend. There are churches all over Arkansas that don't have the slightest idea what Pentecost is really all about. What the name of Jesus in water baptism is really all about. Praise God. I heard a Pentecostal minister, I'm sorry to say that he, he reflected this, but he said, doesn't matter what title you use or what formula you use, doesn't even matter if there's a preacher there, doesn't even matter if there's water involved. Baptism is between the heart of God and the heart of man. Hey, where do you find that in the Bible? The Bible tells me that they were immersed. There was a preacher, there was a minister, and they were buried in baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, what did Pentecost look like in the eyes of our arch enemy, Satan? Well, when he saw Pentecost happen, he had been the master of the human race from the fall to the cross. And now there's a new master in town. There's a new sheriff has come. There is a church 
that's been born that will have power over the world and the flesh and the devil. A church that through and by the power of the name of Jesus can cast out devils, can stop the devil's work. Praise God. <clears throat> so he saw his defeat in capital letters. On the cross, <coughs> excuse me, Satan thought he had conquered Jesus. The one that said, get behind me, Satan. And that same Jesus came off of the cross with the help of those that buried him. But up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph or his foes. What did Satan see? He saw a strange, unexpected phenomenon taking place in the upper room and spilling out into the streets of Jerusalem. Satan didn't see that coming. Satan didn't expect that. He was in trouble and he knew it. He saw the sins that had been committed by many of the multitude wiped out and wiped away as they were filled with the Holy Ghost and 3,000 baptized that day in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Fear gripped the heart of Satan. I believe that. You say, well, can Satan fear? Can demons fear? Well, this is what James said about it. James said, you believe in one God? You do well. For the demons also believe and they tremble. Hallelujah. We're giving the devil some trouble this morning because he doesn't like what I'm preaching. He doesn't like the fact you're here. He doesn't like the fact there is a church alive and well on planet Earth. A Jesus name, one God, Holy Ghost, apostolic, tongue-talking church. Alive and well on planet Earth. Thanks be unto God for His mercy and power and love and truth. Praise God. On the day of Pentecost and Calvary's victory and the resurrection victory, Jesus paralyzed the death-dealing authority of Satan. He defeated the hosts of hell. He led captivity captive. Hallelujah. He recreated life in men. He resurrected thousands that day because the Bible said, ye were dead in trespasses and sins. But now, thank God for now, we went to the water and we got baptized. We were first, we were in the altar repenting of our sins. We went to the waters of baptism and we were baptized. And let me say, I believe water baptism in Jesus' name is vital and essential. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to find a preacher just as quick as you can, an apostolic preacher, and say, I want to get baptized in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I've baptized people on Sunday morning. I've baptized people on Sunday night. I've baptized people during revivals. I've baptized people at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning when they called and said, Brother Clifford, I'm afraid Jesus is coming. I've got to get baptized. 
Will you baptize me? Well, sure. I'll baptize you anytime, anywhere, but not anyway. Hallelujah. I'm going to put you in the water and I'm going to baptize you by immersion and I'm going to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins because there's no other name given under heaven. That's the only saving name. Praise God. Now you can get baptized in the titles. You can get baptized in Maher, Shalhal, Hashbach, Methuselah, and Melchizedek. You can get baptized in all kinds of names, but there's only one name that gets the job done. Hallelujah. Back during the days when small towns would have evangelists come through and circuit riders come through, this one poor woman said, I got baptized every preacher that came through, every circuit rider that came through, but I just went down a sinner and came up a wet sinner. <laughs> but I finally got the name and the name of Jesus took my sins away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we are in a position today of great golden opportunity. The opportunity is to receive what Harvard University said 500 million people around the globe have already received. Hey, if 500 million people have received it, then you can have it. Anybody, whosoever will may come and take of the waters of life freely. Praise God. And that brings us to one of the climaxing moments of questions because Paul met 12 disciples. Did you hear that? They were disciples in the city of Ephesus. And he asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They were believers. They were disciples. But they said, we have not so much as heard whether the Holy Ghost has come or not. We, John Baptist baptized us. That's a pretty good record. Now, we are disciples. We are believers. We were baptized by John Baptist. What lack we yet? And that's when the Apostle Paul said, John baptized, telling the people that there was one coming after him. And that one has come and died and resurrected. And you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So he simply asked them, unto what then were you baptized? They said, John Baptist baptized us. He said, good. But that baptism was temporary, make, making preparation for the main event. And he took them and baptized them how? In Jesus' name. And they received the Holy Ghost. And how did they know they received it? They spoke with tongues. There were six Jews that went with uh, Paul to the house, or with Peter, I'm sorry, to the house of Cornelius. And they wouldn't believe, I mean, you couldn't convince those six hard-headed, stubborn Jews that the Gentiles had received the Holy Ghost if they had not heard them. For we heard them speak with tongues. Ah, and then those hard-headed Jews knew that the gift of God had gone over to the Gentiles. The great mystery of the ages is the fact that God was going to bring the Gentiles into the body of Christ and become a part of the kingdom of God. And Galatians chapter 3 tells us that you who are 
born again are now the spiritual seed of Abraham. Hallelujah. So we might be Caucasian, we might be some other ethnic group, but in the kingdom of God, we are the children of the Most High. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so, we have become a part of the kingdom. The Gentiles are going to become a part of the family of God. What a blessing, what a privilege. I'm so thankful that that great mystery has been solved. Hallelujah. And we are the seed of Abraham. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, and they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost at Ephesus. Hallelujah. Cornelius, 12 men in Ephesus received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And now I ask, what does the day of Pentecost look like in your eyes? Think about it. It's a golden day of marvelous opportunity. And today we celebrate that day, but that day is still alive and well among us. This is the day of Pentecost. Tomorrow will be the day of Pentecost. Next month will be the day of Pentecost. Every day of the year is the day of Pentecost. Because Pentecost has come and stayed. Beginning in Jerusalem and spreading to the uttermost parts of the world. Can you give the Lord a great praise? <coughs> Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And we're going to open the altars for two groups of people. Number one, if you need the Holy Ghost, you can have it. Hallelujah. Now, if everybody in the house started waving around $100,000, and you say, hey, where did you get that? Oh, they're giving, giving them away down at the First National. You know what? you'd be doing? You'd be heading for the First National. Well, you look around at all the people in this house that have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's real. It's available. You can have it. Hallelujah. So if you need the Holy Ghost, don't have the Holy Ghost, then you can come forward. If you have the Holy Ghost and you're just ready for a refilling and a refreshing, and that should involve just about every last one of us, then you can come forward and we're going to sing and give praise unto the Lord and God is going to work and walk among us. Praise God. Hallelujah. So come right on. Now, if you need the Holy Ghost, make that available so the pastor and some others can pray with you I'm in and this for church. you. It's a glorious church. I didn't join, no, I was born. I've had a new birth. Some glorious day, we're going to sail away. Oh, Kababocha. Hey, shut up, don't go, don't go, don't go, shut up, hookah. It's a glorious church. I didn't join, no, I was born. I've had a new birth. Glorious day. I'm gonna sail away. By God's grace, not by my works. 
Yes, 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 Shabakata. I got it like the Bible says. Oh, come on,